so we're talking in this series, we're talking about peace. And I know the Cowboys play today at noon. So the youth finally got excited about something I did. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Cowboys play at noon, so you, you might make it. I don't know. Uh, uh, so we're in this series we're calling Peace, and today I want to talk about two th- truths to remember when you're battling depression. We're going to, so as we've been talking in this series, we're talking about some mental health issues. We want to talk about, you know, the things that we all deal with, but a lot of times we never talk about, and we don't talk about it in the church, but uh, we'll talk about it today. I, I had a very close friend uh, for years and years. He was one of the nicest people you'd ever meet. He was funny. He would entertain the crowd. He was always the life of the party. Uh, He made friends uh, pretty much everywhere he went. And when you went anywhere with him, he always knew people. I mean, he, if you went anywhere, he knew somebody there. Uh, He was encouraging. He was friendly. Uh, He had a great family. He raised great kids. most people had no idea that he had to make a conscious choice to get out of bed every day. He often uh, had a dark sadness and hopelessness. And it was a long time before we even knew that because he never saw that. He hid that side. He only showed up when he was happy and doing well. The other times he was, you know, he just, I'm, I'm sick. I'm not feeling good. I'm under the weather. Uh, He often was blinded with dark sadness and hopelessness, and he sometimes battled suicidal thoughts. Now, someone who hasn't struggled with depression uh, might be dismissive of somebody that's got depression and like say, you know, hey, dude, I mean, you know, this is kind of my counseling uh, style. Just let you know ahead of time if you come to me for counseling. Hey, stop doing that. It's stupid. Uh, You know, uh, (laughs) You know, we might just not understand. But depression is different. Depression is not just a momentary sadness. It's not just discouragement. It is that. But it's more like a consistent darkness where there's not really feeling. You don't feel. You're numb. Uh, you don't have motivation. You're not motivated to get up, do things. You, you don't have hope that things are going to change or get better. Uh, church should be a safe place to talk about that. But we don't talk about it. It's usually not. There's a, sometimes there's a stigma, uh, you know, if you're the depressed person, uh, which leads to feelings of guilt and shame. We ought to be helping people get rid of guilt and shame. Isn't that, isn't that our business? <laughs> Bringing uh, all of our guilt and shame to Jesus and letting him help us with it. And we want to tell them, you know, we want to encourage them with good encouraging words like this, suck it up, buttercup. Get over it. Put your faith in Jesus and everything will be okay. Uh, and if you're the one that's depressed, the implied message is, we don't want to hear about it. <laughs> right? No, we, we don't want to hear about it. You know, put, so just keep it to yourself. If you're in a small group meeting and someone said to you, I have a sore throat that won't go away. Hey, I, hey guys, I've been struggling with a sore throat. It won't go away. You, you know, we'd say, hey, you need to go to the doctor and see about that. What, you need to find out what's going on there. If, if, if someone said, hey, you know, I, 
I fell this morning, and I think I may have cracked a bone in my wrist. You know what we'd say? Hey, you better go get that checked out. You need, you need to go see if you, you might have broken a bone. You need to go let them do an x-ray on it. You need to see what's going on. Uh, if someone says, I'm depressed, it's like, <whistles> we don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle it. So we're not comfortable with mental health issues. We wouldn't say to that person, well, hey, maybe you need to go to the doctor and get checked out. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe you need, you know, let's pray about it. We're going to pray about your broken bone. We're going to pray about your sore throat. We're going to, we're going to ask God to help you, but, you know, maybe you need to go to the doctor. Maybe you need to go talk to somebody. If you're one fighting depression, uh, you're not alone. It's one of the biggest mental health problems in the world, not just the United States, in the world today. In 2020, an estimated 21 million adults in the United States had at least one major depressive episode. That's in the year, in one year. Now, 2020 was a depressing year with COVID and the pandemic and all of that, but this is not unusual. This is not an unusual statistic, but uh, so 21 million adults, so that represents 8.4% of U.S. adults, like one in 12. That's a lot. One in 12 adults had some kind of depressive event in, in a one-year period. Uh, so it's, it's not that abnormal, is it? <laughs> Seems to be a lot of people facing it. It's very complex. Uh, if you feel proud because you don't struggle with depression, don't be. <laughs> don't be. You know, Jesus talked about this. I didn't include this in my notes, but there's a great, if you're reading the Bible about the tower that fell and people said, you know, there was this, uh, these people that that Pilate killed, were they worse sinners? And Jesus said, no, unless you repent, you're all, you'll all likewise perish. He said, you know, in reality, bad things happen all the time. And if you don't have something bad happening to you, you ought to repent and thank God for the good things that are going on in your life. That's another sermon. Uh, if you feel pr- proud because you don't struggle, don't be because depression doesn't discriminate. It can hit anybody at any time over a lot of different things. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know that you can go to the doctor, the doctor can tell you, Hey, uh, you have a really serious condition. Uh, biological causes. We know this chemical imbalances can cause depression, uh, chronic pain. Uh, and we're in a, we're in a chronic pain crisis now because uh, a lot of people who had chronic pain, they can, it's very difficult to get opioids that is the only thing that will treat some chronic pain because they're really restricting all of those things because of the illegal use of so many drugs that there's a problem with that. So uh, maybe it's nutrition, you're not eating well or right, and it's creating some physical issues. There are, are hormonal changes that happen through your life. You're not constant. You change uh, as you age, different things that happen. Uh, Sometimes there are hormonal changes when you have a baby. Some people have, because of hormonal changes, have postpartum depression. And it is not because they don't love babies. It's not because they don't love their family. It's a a hormonal issue that's going on. Uh, Lack of sleep. You can be depressed. Most people don't. We don't sleep. Uh, as much as people have in the past, 
we get an average of like 6.7 hours of sleep a night. We used to get 10 uh, back before uh, incandescent light, which is only like 120 years, you know, so that's not a long time. Uh, uh, exercise, a lot of times uh, if you would get out and exercise, it would help. Uh, it helps lift your mood. It helps get you out of the environment. Exercise can help. Sunlight, we know that people who don't get enough sunlight, don't get enough vitamin D, they get depressed. Uh, people in the northern uh, states, not just because they live up north, uh, but people from the, from the northern states, uh, like Alaska or places where there's, where there's diminished uh, sunlight, uh, there's greater depression. Or like Seattle, where it rains a lot. Uh, it can hit anybody at any time. It's, uh, it can be circumstantial. You could have a, a great loss, a death, a loss, a trauma, bankruptcy. A loss of a job, you could retire, you could be forced to retire, uh, your kids could leave home, you could be having an empty nest, uh, and that can cause depression. Your kids could be coming back, uh, that might cause depression. Uh, it's either way, right? Uh, it's spiritual. I don't know if you know this, but, but you're in a spiritual battle every day. You have an enemy who wants to destroy you, and every day you are in a spiritual battle. Every day. 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Now, this is a guy who often wasn't alert. Peter wasn't, often wasn't alert, and he grew uh, and developed his faith in the Lord, and he often didn't think about the consequences of what he said or his actions. So he's saying, listen, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. He's saying, hey, you guys need to be aware. We're in the middle of a spiritual battle every day. You you may not acknowledge it. You may not be aware of it. But there's a roaring lion that's trying to single you out and kill you. In the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah, who wrote the book of Lamentations, is battling uh, depression himself. Uh, And here's the background. So Solomon built a temple about uh, 500 B.C. or so. I mean, about 1,000 B.C. We'll just round it up, 1,000 B.C. And it was magnificent. It was glorious. Uh, Solomon's temple was incredible. It was, it was, they, used, they used billions of dollars worth of gold in the temple. Billions of dollars worth of gold in the temple. And uh, the workmanship was incredible. Uh, it was magnificent tribute to God for about 400 years. In 587 BC, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians came in fulfillment of prophecy and according to the plan of God. In fulfillment of prophecy and according to the plan of God, came and destroyed it. Totally destroyed the temple. Jeremiah witnessed this and what happened was he, so he witnessed the destruction of the temple. Also, He witnessed the murder of his loved ones, his friends, his family, and then other members of his family were covered, carried off into captivity in Babylon. So there's a, you know, so you think, so he's a prophet of God and the symbol of that, of God being present in the nation is destroyed. Then they're carried off in defeat into Babylon, into captivity. And this is what Jeremiah says, I'm the man who has been afflicted. Who has seen affliction. Because of the rod of his wrath, he has driven me and made me walk in darkness 
and not in light. Verse 5, he has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places he has made me dwell, like those who have been long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. Verse 17, my soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. You know, I mean, it's like, so you think, how did he get here? I mean, he's the prophet of God and he loves God. But here he is, he's broken, uh, he's lost direction, he's feeling hopeless. Well, his circumstances are horrible. He's lost his home, his family's been killed and deported. Spiritually, he feels like God has let him down, although God told him all this. was He was the prophet who predicted this. God told him all of this was going to happen, but he... He's depressed over it. He's, he's dismayed over the, the destruction of his nation. There's no hope. So there's two things I want to talk about today in the time we have left. Uh, two things to remember when you're battling depression. Number one is that your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. What you feel, you really, really feel. When you feel something, it's not that you're not feeling it. If you feel depressed, you're depressed. But what you feel is not always the truth, and it's not always permanent. Because if you remember the statistic we talked about, a lot of people have bouts of depression, and when you're in the depression, you think it will go on forever, but it doesn't. It is often seasonal, or it's for a period of time. It's, it's something that you, you work through. So your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. When you're hurt, you're your emotions are valid. You're important. And you should, you should give expression to your emotions. You should own them. Because a lot of times we, we, we don't, we're not truthful with ourselves. If you're not truthful with yourself, it's hard to get help. Did you know that? If you're not truthful with yourself, it's hard to get help. So what if you're angry? If you're angry, you should feel angry. You say, I'm, I, I'm angry. And, or I'm anxious. Or I feel betrayed. I, I feel like I've been betrayed. Or I feel empty or, or numb. I feel hopeless. I'm, I'm afraid. In other words, it, it's good to begin to identify. what. So I'm depressed. Why am I depressed? I'm depressed because I'm having these feelings. A lot of times, depression is, is a symptom of something else. Or we're angry, or we're discouraged, and the depression is a symptom of that. Anybody in here afraid of spiders? I think there's a picture. Hopefully there's a picture. There it is. That's a tarantula, and what makes that even more frightening to me, it's in the guy's hand. And uh, they, they don't bite most of the time, <laughs> but they can. Uh, so they did a study about spiders. A lot of people are afraid of spiders. Uh, they did a study. They showed 
participants, a live tarantula in a container. And then they divided the participants into four groups, and they asked the one group to label what they were feeling. In other words, they wanted them to express, what are you feeling about what you're seeing? And so, you know, some of them said, you know, this is this uh, scary, hairy monster, you know, this creepy thing, I, you know, what, whatever they felt, the feelings that evoked, they, they wanted to run, you know, they were terrified, uh, some, you know, whatever they felt, they wanted those people to express that. Another group, they wanted them to make observations, like make factual observations. It's in a cage. It can't hurt me. They're not really known to bite. If, you, you know, if you're not aggressive with them, if you don't crush them, if you don't try to hurt them, they're not going to try to hurt you. Uh, so they asked them to just make observations. Another, they asked to say, just to say something irrelevant, like totally outside the box that had no bearing on a spider in the room. It's like, it looks like rain. I think it's going to rain. Uh, and then some people, they ask not to say anything at all. Don't say anything at all. Now, did you know that's a lot of times how we solve or deal with some of our problems? We don't say anything. It's like, if I don't say anything, maybe they'll take the spider away. <laughs> if I don't, but they ask them. So, so a week later, here's what's interesting. A week later, they expose these people again, these same people, to tarantulas again, but this time... They weren't in a cage. And they measured their physiological responses, their heart rate, their sweat. And here's what's interesting. Those who had named their emotions performed exceptionally better than all the other responses. Those who were able to name their fears, then when they encountered those in an even more frightening scenario where they're loose... They were, they were less fearful. They were able to handle it physiologically better. And some of them were even able to touch the tarantulas. So naming your emotions, being honest with where you are. It's, you know, <laughs> I mean, don't you like, Jeremiah's honest. He's saying like, God, I'm upset. I, I don't like this. I you're not answering my prayer. You're not helping me out here. You're not showing up. What's going on? I, I don't like this. And he's, he's expressing his frustration, his anger, his disappointment, his loss of hope. And, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of people think that, that if you say it, you make it happen. Well, what if it's already happening? And a tool to getting better about it is naming it and being honest about it. So when you name your emotions, it opens the door to changing your emotions. When you name your emotions, it opens the door to change your emotions. See, God gave us emotions. Emotions are valid, but your emotions aren't permanent. Our emotions are temporary. We're, so since our emotions are temporary, we shouldn't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. So... You may get depressed. You may go through a season of depression, uh, but that's not a time to make important decisions. You may feel like quitting your marriage 
Or you may feel like quitting on God because you're mad at God. I mean, it sounds like Jeremiah was like almost ready to quit on God, right? That, that's what he's expressing. You may feel like running away. You may feel like, you know, this would be an escape or you, you want to shut out the world. So you just lock yourself in your bedroom. Uh, in dark moments, you may consider taking your own life. We don't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. So recognize that these are real emotions. I'm really, really, really feeling these, but I'm not always going to feel this way. It's not permanent. So emotions are valid. We're not going to discount somebody's emotions. Have you ever said to somebody, I'm feeling kind of sad, and they actually will say something, no, you're not. I really am. No, I don't think you are. What? Wait. It's like they know better how you feel than you do. Uh, your emotions are valid. Feel them, name them, but don't be ruled by them. So your emotions are valid. They're not permanent. That's number one. Remember that. Number two, your situation feels hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. As believers, this is what we're going to hold on to. I'm depressed. It's okay. I'm feeling the way that I feel. But I believe that because I'm a Christian, because I have faith in God, I believe that there's something to have hope in. There, I believe in God, there's always hope. There's, it's never too late for God. You know, I, you probably have heard a lot of times, you know, people will say things like this. Well, you know, God's never late. And, and, I, and I don't think it's true. I think it's a truism, but I don't think it's a truth. Because... If you're like Daniel and you get thrown in the lion's den, God was late. In other words, you know, you know when Daniel got thrown in the lion's den, he was like 80 years old. I mean, it's amazing he didn't break a hip, right? He gets thrown in the lion's den and he survives that and the lions don't eat him. But, you know, if, if I'm Daniel, you know, my prayer is, God, Keep me from the lion's den. Don't keep me from the lion's mouth. There's so many instances of that. You can see that, that where it's, it's, it's too late. I mean, you know, but it's not too late for God. If you look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know why the disciples were so sad on Sunday morning? Because it was too late. He was dead. They did not expect Jesus to come back from the dead. When the women came from the tomb and said, he's not there, he's not there, they thought somebody stolen his body. They weren't expecting the resurrection. It was, it, was, it was too late in their mind, but it wasn't too late for God. See, it's never too late for God. So Jeremiah is depressed, and in his depression, he does something we all should do. He turns to God. He looks for hope in God. He says, Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. I remember this. I'm remembering who God is, and it's giving me hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person 
who seeks him. Now, he's just laid out his heart. He's really bummed out. And he says, yeah, but you know what? I remember something. I remember the loving kindness of the Lord. This, this word, loving kindnesses, is the plural form of the Hebrew word hesed. It's difficult to translate. It's used 248 times in the Old Testament. It's packed with meaning, and there's really no English word that comes close to it. When you think about it, they translated it loving kindnesses. It's, uh, so it's translated numerous different ways. They, you know, try to find an English word to show this God's loving kindness, his mercy, his loyalty. But it, it's, it's not that, it's all of that. Because it's tied to the nature and character of God. So it's talking about, he said, I remember the fullness of the character of God. I remember all of who God is. He said, I'm not just remembering one aspect, but I'm remembering all of who God is. His loving kindness, his all-encompassing nature of God. So he says, I'm in relationship to God's character. His unbreakable devotion to his promises. How God keeps his promises. He said, I believe it. what God's told me about what is happening in this situation, that God is judging Israel because of their rebellion, because their unwillingness to turn to God, and they're continuing to worship idols, that God says, if you do this, I'm going to throw you out of the land, and he does it. And he, and he sends them off into captivity. His unbreakable de- devotion to his promises, and his commitment to his own character, that God is, God is a God of integrity and truth and righteousness and holiness and love and grace, and his mercy is following you and his compassion. It's just incredible. So he said, his loving kindnesses, you know, it, it, you, do you think of loving kindness as plural? His loving kindnesses is the many ways that he shows loving kindness. So Jeremiah is thinking on that. And on thinking on that, he's thinking about who God is and the nature of God. And it begins to stir hope within his soul. He's got hope. I hope in God. He's trusting the Lord. His compassions never fail, he says. This is interesting. The word compassion is translated from the Hebrew word rahama. And it's the same root word that means a mother's womb. His compassions. Uh, a womb is, is a safe place. Should be. It's a sanctuary where life begins, where life is nourished, where life is strengthened, where life is protected. So so he's using, this, he's using this picturesque language. He's, who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. He's talking to himself. He's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's saying, you know, God is good. I remember God's character. I remember God's promises. I remember his loving kindness. Says his many kinds of loving kindness to me. So how do you break out? How do you break out of the darkness? How do you? When, when you're in times of depression and darkness, how do you get free? One is you acknowledge your feelings. Don't be ashamed to acknowledge your feelings. Number two, don't be afraid to get some help. Go to the doctor. Tell the doctor what's going on. 
Getting help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. We talked about last week, you know, when your check engine light comes on in your car. If, if you don't know what it, you, you might even have to go to O'Reilly's or, or AutoZone, and they've got a little code reader, and they'll, they say, look, you're, uh, this is what's wrong with your car. I mean, you would do that with your car because you want to be able to keep driving your car. Do that for yourself. You know, if you need help, get help. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. You might need to go to a counselor. You might need to get some medicine. You might need to change your diet. You might need to start exercising. Maybe you need to start journaling and praying. Maybe you need to join a life group. Maybe you need some godly friends. Check your friends. Did you know that bad company corrupts good morals? Did you know that bad friends are dangerous? Now, you need to have an evangelistic mindset where you're reaching out to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. But the people you hang with and get life from need to be people who love Jesus. Did you get that? The people you hang with. Don't hang with people who don't love Jesus unless you're ministering to them and you recognize it as a mission and you're not ashamed of your testimony before them. Because bad company, the Bible tells us, corrupt good morals. We see it all of the time. We see it. It happens to teenagers. It happens to 30-agers and 40-agers and 50-agers who get mixed up with the wrong crowd. If you start hanging around with a bunch of divorced people, before you know it, you're going to be divorced. Because you're going to be having, they're going to say, I would, what, what, what are you calling it? I wouldn't have that old man telling me what to do. Man, I'd, I'd be living free. I wouldn't have that old ball and chain around my neck. Don't be ashamed to get some help. Last week we talked about a couple of things to pray, to pause and praise. Give it to God. Listen to God. Praise God for where you are. Call to mind God's faithfulness. Remember what he has already done for you. Change your posture. A lot of times when we're depressed, our head is down. Sometimes we need to remember the Bible says that the Lord is the lifter of my head. He lifts my head. Sometimes changing your posture can help you change your mind. It can help you think and change your position. Jeremiah says, the Lord's my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. You know what, you know what Jeremiah says? I'm going to say something to my soul. i got to talk to my soul a little bit. So sometimes you've got to preach to yourself. Sometimes you've got to tell yourself what's going on. In Psalm verse 3, this is the Psalm of David. It's got the title in the beginning, a Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. Now, that, I bet you that's a pretty dark day. Absalom, his own son, is trying to kill him and depose him from being the king of Israel. Now, I don't know if you've had dark days, but it's a pretty dark day when your own son's trying to kill you. Right? And he says, Oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. 
my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. David says, well, I was in a horrible situation. You know what I did? I started, I started thinking about how good God is. Talk to your soul. Paul said in Romans, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My depression can't separate me from the love of Christ. My darkness, the darkest days of my life cannot separate me from the love of God. Nothing in creation creation is able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul says in Corinthians, for even when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without, fears within. But the next verse is important. He says, but God, but God, but God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus, but God, I want to tell you. God wants to insert himself into your situation. He wants to insert himself into your life. But God, yes, it's horrible. <laughs> it's devastating. But God, God is on your side. God is for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> in all these things, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. So, I'm close with this. Your feelings are valid, but they're not permanent. This too will pass. Don't give up. Your situation feels hopeless, but with God, there is always hope. There is always hope. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, you are the God of hope. There's somebody here today, one of the 12, that's depressed. Lord, I pray that you would begin to help them find a little light at the end of the tunnel. You begin to stir hope within their soul that we would remember my feelings are real, but they're not permanent. That I have hope in God, and I believe things are going to change. Lord, help us to find our hope as we struggle with it, as we battle with it, to put our hope in you. Lord, I'm trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song together.